It's Cindy's choice to be brave and to make a difference. Cindy here. And thank you. Thank you for being here with me today as I jump back into this destitute to destiny story. And I've talked about being destitute, but I'm about to be really <laughs> destitute and desperate because I've left you with me heading down this mountain in my truck, my bike on the back, my golf clubs <laughs> in the back seat and my cooler and, you know, some clothes. And here I'm heading down the mountain about to run out of money. And again, there's that rainbow. And I know the promises are true. I got to believe more than ever. I have to believe more than ever. And oh, wow. See, Revelation. I told you I process here with you because you can kind of tell, you know, this is, I'm not preparing this. I'm sorting this and sharing this with you. I haven't thought all this through to a great degree, but yeah, that's what happens is you're put in, you know, the more you grow your faith, the more you're put in positions to grow your faith. <laughs> and that's how courage works. You know, you start out with like these baby steps of courage, but with each step, you know, you can make braver steps the next time and even braver steps the next time. But I got to tell you, this is not a brave step that I wanted to take. And like, you know, I, I, I feel like I felt like such an idiot. <laughs> like, what, what, you know, what was I thinking? Here I am going and facing the streets. But at the same time, I trusted. I was seeking. Listen. I was seeking so hard. I was doing everything I knew to do to find out how to be self-sufficient and even more so how to be self-sufficient, how I could take care of myself, but also serve others. And I'd been so honest in all these situations, you know, with people that, you know, I was risking finally someone's taking care of me. I get honest with them and I'm risking, you know, being back on the street and just trying to stay honorable in just ridiculously demeaning, humbling circumstances. So there I am. And in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I, I was, I'd lived there before, but again, it'd been a long time, been like over 10 years, I think. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to go. And the crazy thing about sleeping in your automobile, of course, it's June. Uh, it was, this was June, 2015, smoldering hot summer of 2015 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Here's the thing. I remember kind of driving around some neighborhoods and things like that. Well, you, if you find like a quiet, dark place to maybe pull over and sleep, that is so scary because there you are isolated. So if someone does come across you, you're totally vulnerable to them. And if it's the heat of the summer, you got to sleep with the windows down. So I kind of like checked out some things like that. Then I thought, well, if you get in a residential area, somebody's going to call your tags in. The police are going to, you know, come and see what's going on. So I ended up that first night in the, Wal the Walmart parking lot um, on Highway 153 in Hickson, Tennessee. Yep. I slept in the Walmart parking lot with my windows about I think about a third of the way down y'all listen I know how crazy that sounds I'm sitting there thinking yeah that was me that's where I was <laughs> I, I just did not know where and I kind of drove around I didn't want to use up all my gas I didn't have much money left I didn't have much gas left 
and I kind of pulled over like there's some sparse like little island trees and I kind of got next to a tree like not too far you know far enough away from the store but not too far out close to this you know it's kind of strategic and parked there and went to sleep and woke up the next morning just amazed that you know there I was and I mean anybody could have reached in you know and I've got you know my truck's loaded up I got stuff piled everywhere and stuff so I don't remember exactly like but I know at some point I was spending my days in downtown because that's a if you're familiar with Chattanooga Tennessee it's a beautiful uh, tourist type area with the the river walk and uh, the the walking bridge and just this you know really um, parks and um, just you know really cool spaces downtown it was easy just to kind of blend in so I would go park down there on Walnut Street uh, adjacent to the Walnut Street Bridge and spend my days you know hanging out down there now um, I'd had you know I had a little bit of money so I was able to eat for a few days and I'd spend the evenings and I you know those probably first several nights I, I I didn't really journal this is I wasn't like I wasn't looking at this like okay I'm gonna write a book I, you know th- I, I'm gonna tell a story this uh, that was not on my mind at all so I, I did write some things down because that was how I stayed positive is writing like reinforcement reinforcing positive thoughts and so forth like that and I'm gonna have to go find that and dig through that this I'm just sharing like off the cuff right now and I don't want to go too deep into this and it's hard not to because I'm like you know thinking about oh yeah this happened oh yeah that happened but that first week I uh, spent the or or so I slept in the Walnut Walnut parking lot and then I kind of found like a a little place hidden on a church park like a big church parking lot that was kind of in the dark a little closer to downtown but at some point I ran out of gas and I was on Walnut Street in downtown Chattanooga and I ran out of food and I was stuck there on the downtown street of course my battery had died because I ran the AC as long as I could (laughs) was miserably hot and there I am just totally stranded on the downtown streets thoroughly confused Uh, it wasn't long I kind of had that kind of moment you know I had that moment with God where I was really frustrated with myself because I'm like really really God (laughs) this is what you have for me I mean come on it's like but it was just a brief moment that I just kind of started losing it and just was like what have I done you know and I I just I, I don't know I just thought no 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 I I can't let myself go there I can't overthink this because that's how you make desperate decisions and I was so desperate not to make desperate decisions anymore I was so desperate for a breakthrough I was so desperate to know you know, I, I'm so willing, so capable, and so able to take care of myself if I could just figure out a way, you know, to kind of get there. Despite my limitations, I know, I know that I'm a very capable person. I have a lot to offer. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to depend on the government or others or anyone. You know, I, I, I want to be more than self-sufficient. I want to also serve and, and help others. Well, there I, so I had that moment, but it was brief. I turned it around real quick and thought, Mm-mm, you believe or you don't. And I just decided I'm going to have faith and I'm just going to you know, trust through this. But I got to tell you, 
the next weeks were tough. I, I did not know. Um, you know, I, I'm, I was familiar enough because I'd served in homeless ministries like in Houston and, and so forth like that. So I knew there were services and uh, things like that, but I wasn't familiar there in Chattanooga. And I didn't want to ask anyone. And, you know, I was recognizing other people that were homeless, too, because I didn't want to bring any attention to myself whatsoever. I especially didn't want to bring any attention to myself to others that were homeless because there's a percentage of homeless people that are criminal. And it's just like in any population, in any population, there's a percentage that are criminal. Not most of the people out there on the streets are just surviving. They don't have any um, ill intent against anyone. But the ones that are there are that are criminal. The other homeless people are their targets that they target them because they know no one's paying attention and they can get away with targeting them. So I was too afraid to, you know, bring any attention to, to my circumstances to get help or anything. And it just was a, 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 you know, your days fill up pretty quick when you're out of food because you know your first thought when when I'd wake up in the morning in that truck and I had like I'd figured out a way to cover up the driver's side window and bef- before I'd ran out of gas and the battery died thankfully that window was all the way up and it was covered but all the other windows and the truck were cracked just a bit not very much not where anybody could get in but where I could get some air and then thankfully there was a back window on the truck that was down just a bit so it didn't allow much air in but at least you know I could crawl in the truck at like 2 a.m. in the morning or later because that I couldn't bear to get in there sooner than that because it was too stifling hot. But, you know, you wake up in the morning and you kind of wake up and sit up real quick. I, I slept in the driver's seat. I just reclined it. There was too much stuff in the truck to, you know, try to lay down or anything. And that would have been too scary and uncomfortable. Um, I, I, you know, I slept in the driver's seat with it reclined back. And as soon as my eyes would pop, you know, I would pop right up and be like all alert looking around like, Oh my gosh, you know, is everything okay? Am I okay? And you know, the first thing you want to do is uh, get to a restroom and get, you know, kind of get yourself cleaned up. And I, uh, you know, my first thing each morning was to walk across a bridge or um, downtown and uh, either way about the same, there was a public restroom I could get to. And then it was a matter of looking for food for real. It was a matter of looking for food. And uh, I got to tell you, there were some desperate times. Uh, desperate enough where yeah um, I would watch people eating a meal and watch for the meal that maybe somebody didn't touch too much and you know would leave on their plate and I was able to go and like finish or, or pick off what like I could eat of that meal and yeah I was desperate enough at some point where I was so so hungry I was peering in garbage cans okay I know you're 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 shaking your head you're like what <laughs> Y'all listen, this is a, once you're committed, (laughs) once you're committed on a journey, because at this point, you know what my options were. I had some options. I could call one of my rescuers back in Texas. I, I, listen, I never had any problem getting rescued. That was the problem (laughs) is I kept getting rescued. And like, I think I've shared before Like, uh, you know, people who normally are looking to rescue someone really need rescuing themselves. It's a, and they're looking for that opportunity for you to be beholding to them and that they can have control and, you know, have you owe them. And, you know, I, I wasn't even considering that at first because I've, plus I felt like an idiot. (laughs) How would, how would I explain this to anyone? 
<laughs> How in the world would I explain this to anyone? I mean, like I said, I, this is brave what I'm doing right here. I haven't really shared it to a great degree. Uh, to this point, I've been building up my courage because I'm like, how do you explain this? But there I was, I'm starving to death. My truck's out of gas and y'all, I got weak. I was getting sick. You know, my, my health condition, you know, the food I was eating wasn't really food that I, I, it was food that worked against me more than for me, but I had to eat what I could find. And a lot of times that was just soda crackers because I'd head on over to the Publix on the North shore and you know, go by the little soup area and grab me a couple packs of crackers. And, you know, I did have a great advantage over others that were homeless because even though I looked really rough by my standards, I didn't look like a homeless person. You know, I was in a truck. I had, you know, now I had my bike on the back of my truck. At this point, I wasn't riding my bike because I was too weak. I, I remember a couple mornings, I was getting so weak from the malnutrition you know, and I'd wake up and I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to get across that bridge. And I don't remember exactly how long the bridge is. Maybe it's, I don't know if it's maybe a mile. And I can remember a couple of mornings where I was so weak and I got, I just got to get over, you know, over to the restroom, wash my face and do my business and so forth like that. And I remember just kind of taking these little kind of baby steps and, um, I remember I would I would kind of look down and just kind of watch my feet and focus on one more step, Cindy, one more step, just one more step. I glance up a little bit and, you know, notice I'd made a little progress. And I remember thinking, I mean, what, you know, how does this look? Because I just felt so feeble and so weak, but I made it across and I was, it was getting, it was getting rough and it was getting rough to the point that you know, I, I, you, you're weak, you're tired. I'm like, okay, maybe I do need to get rescued. And I did email, um, you know, someone I knew would rescue me in a minute, someone I'd escaped from. And um, just asking, like, if you could just send me some money saying, hey, you know, this is craziness, I know, but I'm, you know, I'm stuck in my truck, I'm homeless, da, 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 just, and um, of course, you know, he emailed, emailed me back willing to help and saying, hey, just I'll send you enough, come back here, you know, I'll help you, da, 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 da. So he um, sent me enough money. This was probably like, I've been going like, you know, probably close to a month at this point. Uh, and he sent me just enough money to get enough gas, you know, to get my truck started and have enough gas uh, to get back there. And of course, at, at this point, I was so weak and I was struggling, you know, so much. I'd actually, um, I don't remember the exact order. I'd have to like, you know, we'll, we'll dig into it deeper. But I, there was this priest that he would play his, his guitar for change on the bridge. And I would pass him often because I was on the bridge every day. <laughs> and I would stop and listen for a minute and move on. And at some you know, I would listen to him talk to other people. Then at some point we engaged a little bit and then around this time we had a little bit more of an exchange and he confided that he was homeless and he was sleeping on a mattress underneath the veterans bridge so you know i just felt this kind of uh, must is probably okay i could probably let him know and i told him about my circumstances so around this time he had started walking me to the community kitchen which is a pretty good distance away you know to kind of help me navigate getting over there and getting some food and i was able to um 
get health care. So about the time that I'd kind of connected with this rescuer and he was wiring me some money, I kind of, you know, had started connecting with the community kitchen and the free health care across because at this point I was sick. I mean, I was just really weak and you know, not doing well. So, um, I, you know, even if I had intended to get rescued and get, I, I couldn't have made it back right then. And I was kind of relieved because I knew better, but I just didn't, yeah, I just didn't know, you know, I just <laughs> didn't know what to do. But I got to tell you, with everything I'd already dealt with at that point, you know, with what I dealt with, with, you know, the almost being killed several times by these air quote rescuers and the kind of trouble that that would getting me into and my just complete disgust and utter determination, you know, to, to break free of that. And I'm like, yeah, it's dangerous. This is really bad what I'm dealing with. But what I was dealing with, you know, without support and without help and being so vulnerable to these predators, you know, that aren't on the streets is just as bad. You know, how do you, 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 how do you pick between two evils? So I was getting the, the health care. And I remember the doctor telling me, you know, she was kind of familiar with like the immune condition that I was dealing with. And she said, you know, doctors can't help that. We're not trained to, to manage that. She goes, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't be more help. But she was familiar with it because her sister had dealt with like a, a similar kind of condition. And uh, they were, they did prescribe me some things that were helpful. And I was able to, um, you know, I could eat at the community kitchen, but it was like, a lot of the stuff I couldn't eat that also worked against my health. But I was also able to apply for food assistance, which came out to about $7 a day. So that allowed me to start, you know, going, I could go to the grocery store and get some kind of protein, and then just balance that with what I could eat at the community kitchen. And that kind of became my pattern as I was surviving alone on the city streets of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And um, my, my, with that, when that money finally came, and again, this was a good, like, I have to, don't hold me to this. I'll probably correct myself farther down the road, but it seems like I was about six weeks in at this point when I got the cash and was able to like get some gas in my truck, get, you know, get down there and get the medical care and then start finding someplace else to park my truck. And I found a, um, uh, people local to Chattanooga recognize, but I was actually getting away with parking at the top of Stringer's Ridge, which is a, a, a hill that has tons of trails on it, like right there in the North Shore in Chattanooga. And I kind of got away with it again because I was in my truck with my Texas tags. My bike was on the back and I would park my truck at the very top at the entrance to the park. So um, if someone did see me, I look, you know, like someone that was using the park and I just got there. If they were coming up early, it just looked like I was there early or if they were leaving late, usually I got there after everyone had left. But if someone, you know, came up early, I didn't look, that truck didn't look out of place uh, where it was. And I would park it like right next to us. I was so afraid. That was so isolated up there. And in some ways that was more terrifying than sleeping on the downtown city street where I covered all the windows. But, um, and even that on the downtown city streets, I'd woken up to a peeping Tom one morning I mean, it was, oh my gosh, we'll dig into this more when I'll share some more details of some of the things I faced on the streets alone, but it was very scary, you know, sleeping up on, and I would wedge up on the hill isolated as well. 
and I would wedge my truck like right up against the cliff. So um, if somebody tried to get in on that passenger side where I had the windows down trying to get some air, they'd have to make, you know, they'd have to kind of climb over and, and make some racket. And I, I, so I kept those windows a little lower and then kept them up on my side um, so that, you know, I, I could feel some kind of security and close my eyes for a while at night as I was sleeping alone in my truck. And, you know, I, I just remember, oh my goodness, you know, at the community kitchen and um, so many men would approach me, hey, and I, I was approached by, I could tell who the sex traffickers were. I could tell the men that were there, um, they weren't homeless. I could tell they were navigating and, um, you know, trying to find good candidates for uh, entrapping them or in, into their services. And there were a couple of conversations there that I, you know, I just got away from as soon as I could because I recognized what they were up to. But there were that men would, that would approach me that they're like, hey, I don't want to scare you, but I just want to say pretty impressive <laughs> that you're out here on your own. And I just want to tell you, you know, that more power to you. And they'd walk on. And then there were some that approached me and you could tell they were trying to get close to me. And I just was always... But, you know, because that was, think about it, all the women there would quickly connect to a man. If you're female homeless, you need protection. And so, of course, they would quickly attach to a male. Well, I, I also, I remember this one particular male that kept trying to get a close, close to me. And I could just, oh, I could just feel, I mean, I don't want to sound, but I, I just, what, danger, danger, danger. I could just, I was like, uh-oh, I got to stay away from him. Well, so... You know, other ladies were connecting. No judgment here. No judgment whatsoever. It's terrifying out there. It's very dangerous. So this one lady that I, I noticed had connected up uh, with that gentleman that um, I was feeling these major danger signals from. Later, I get wind that he's been arrested because he held a knife to her throat. See, that's the cycle. When you're vulnerable like that, and then, you know, you have to seek protection from someone that doesn't have your best interest in mind. And then, you know, they're really what you need protected from. So it's the same, it was the same on the streets or in when you don't have a self, a, a, not, a safe network of support, a healthy network of support. It's the same danger either way. It's no different. It, it's, um, it was horrible. And again, no judgment here. Are they, you know, what else were they going to do but seek some kind of protection? It, it's just, it was, a, it was horrible. And it was so hard it was so hard to watch. I would talk to men and women at the community kitchen because, see, I'd got my strength up now so I could ride my bike. So my truck was still parked far away and I could ride my bike to and from uh, the community kitchen. Well, most people had to hang out near the community kitchen or walk through that neighborhood to come get services. I talked to, I can't tell you how many people I talked to that were attacked. And that's what I said, that that criminal aspect of that demographic that's who they target. And, you know, they're attacked, men and women that were attacked. Anything they had on them was stolen, which wasn't much, but it was everything they had. It was their backpack with maybe, you know, the $7 cash that they had and their phone and, you know, their little bit of essentials and so forth. It was so horrible and so scary to hear these stories. And that's what I want to talk about when we get back, because this is, I mean, this is where Cindy's choice began. So, because it was so hard for me because I was in just as much danger than them. But, you know, I, as scary as it was and as much as I had to face and deal with, 
I could feel when you're kind of like where you're supposed to be, there's this kind of protection that you feel. And, and I had tried so hard. I was trying so hard to do what I was supposed to do and, you know, seeking where I was supposed to be and being, you know, guided to my destiny that I, though I was terrified and it was uncomfortable and, you know, I was careful, I could feel the protection on me that they didn't have. And that, that was excruciating. It was excruciating for me because I wanted to help them so much. Here I was like needing so much help and I'm wanting, I'm wanting to help them so much. And we'll pick up there. How does Cindy's choice, you know, how, how do I end up not long after that, you know, on radio and, and building this amazing platform and getting myself in a situation to, um, you know, support small businesses while serving the community. And now this amazing convergence is happening where the right people, the right place, the right time, it's all coming together. And it's crazy. And I'm just so glad I get to share this right now and that you get to kind of join us on this ride. So join us again on the next segment as I share, share more on this destitute to destiny story. And you know, you know what I'm going to leave you with. I'm going to leave you with love because I do. I love you. And I want to encourage you, go lead with love and seek first to understand. And of course, if it's Cindy's choice, I'm going to encourage you to go make good choices.